2: Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Erin Yoshi, and for the month of March, International Women's Month, I'm doing a podcast takeover to uplift women's voices in the arts. In an effort to create the world we want to see and bring equality to the art world, I've kindly asked Man One and Sourdough to step aside this month and allow for myself, a woman of color, to take over the reins. To their loyal fans, don't worry, they'll return refreshed in April. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the episode to support our work. Now let's jump into it. A little about me, I go by Yoshi. I'm a creative strategist who paints murals. I'm a curator and event producer, and I've created festivals and built community-based art projects for about two decades. I've also painted all over the world. I'm a former nonprofit executive, so I've seen the ins and outs of the art world from the administrative side and as an artist. So I'm going to be bringing you some of my favorite women in the creative field to share their knowledge and experience with you. They're brilliant, raw, and powerful, and have a lot to share. Also, if you're in Los Angeles for the month of March 2021, I'm unveiling The Land of We, a solo exhibition unlike any other. It's a COVID-safe billboard exhibition, which will be showcased across Los Angeles. To find out more information and download the map, go to erinyoshi.com. That's E-R-I-N-Y-O-S-H-I dot com. In today's episode, we have a muralist roundtable discussion with Claudia Murrell, Glow, Mandelín, A. Lin, and Mariela Arras. So Glow is a fine artist and muralist. She's from Mexico City, raised in Mexicali, and now resides in San Diego. She celebrates the inspiration of divine feminine in her artwork with a surreal, whimsical, psychedelic connection to Mother Earth and the four elements. Amanda Lynn, A. Lynn, is a muralist, fine artist, conservator, art director based in Northern California. Inspired by the feminine in all things, Amanda Lynn depicts the subtle beauty of the natural world and humankind through her illustrated line work and decorative patterns. In recent years, she's been the art director and curator of a large music and art festival, Kaboo. Mariela Arras is an internationally acclaimed muralist from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Her work mainly focuses on the image of women, the questions about femininity and collective memory. She has a background in psychology, which influences her work in terms of subject matter and also in the execution of community-oriented workshops that uses muralism as a social tool. Now let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We're here on the Not Real Art Podcast. This is the Women Muralist Roundtable. I'm so excited to have the amazing Gloria Murel. She goes by Glow, Amanda Lynn, we call her A-Lynn, and Maria Arejas. She's coming in from Argentina. So we're super excited to have you all with us today. And I just have a series of questions because I really was so excited to do this women's roundtable of muralists especially with you guys. I look up to all of you. You're super amazing in my life. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Yay. I would love to ask you guys just around the table. How did you guys you. get started? Oh, I have to start by prefacing that Amanda is coming in from the fairy forest. So there is going to be a slight delay with her responding to things. So we're all living in this COVID world and just bear with us here. For all of you ladies, how did you get started as muralist? Glow, do you want to kick it off? Oh
3: my God, I have to kick it off. Let's see, I got pushed by friends mostly because I started as a fine artist, like doing galleries and canvases. And then I got some friends that wanted to do walls, like Michael Amarillo and Persuade. They were like, hey, have you ever done walls? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. It's Like, well, let's try. And then everything got just so in so fast. We Suddenly I had a wall and it was just like so organic. I want to say organic, but I get very shy. I'm an extremely shy person. (laughs) Exposed. It's very different to be in your studio painting than outside and everybody watching you. So I think that was the hardest part for me the transition from being a a fine artist to a muralist. But once I did it, I was like, wow, wow. It just like blew my mind and I loved it. So then it just started flowing. That's how I got in. But but guys pushed me, which I'm very grateful.
2: Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Amanda? How did you get started? So I actually, from a small child,
4: knew that I wanted to be a, a muralist. And my first mural I ever painted was actually in my parents' home. I painted it for my mom in our house to pay off a speeding ticket that I got with her in the car. I painted a hallway of flowers that my dad always jokes about. I clearly got more and more bored of it or sick of being at home because the flowers got bigger and bigger as the mural went down the hallway. But from there, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. I set my sights on San Francisco coming from Pennsylvania because I had seen it was covered in murals and looked like heaven. And so I landed there in 2000 and basically within a couple months met a bunch of graffiti writers, some of uh, who Gloria worked with too. I got involved with MSK, AWR crew and learned about painting just for fun and just for yourself. And it was a concept I had never really understood before. And the idea of graffiti and just doing your own thing and painting on walls with tons of people and expressing yourself just was like, to me, like the best idea ever made in this world. So I just took off from there and somehow we've all somewhat turned it into a career. so i'm I'm very fortunate to have done that. I met you ladies through it, and I've continued to just grow so many friendships and family from it so it's amazing
1: so i so I went to university and I studied psychology, but in my free time, I went to an artist studio and he taught me how to paint and how to draw. And once I finished school, I had all this free time. And in Buenos Aires, which is the city where I'm from, there were a lot of murals and different like street art expressions coming up in the city, like from stencils and graffiti and like actual fine art murals, like realistic women and like things like that. Probably influenced also by like the Latin American muralist movement and... And I remember like looking at that and saying, oh, that's so beautiful. I want to do that. How do I do that? And one day I was living in a house with some friends and I drew a mural on the terrace, on the rooftop. And then the next week I found that these guys were teaching a workshop on muralism, which was super close to my house. And they had this huge studio where you could practice. And so I took that course for a year And I got to practice for a year inside a big studio. And then I just went out in the street and never stopped painting. Like that first year we would like paint every weekend. You know, when you're like on the bus and all you do is check for walls and then you like write down the address. Like I'm going to get on this wall on Sunday or like on on Saturday and something really cool that I, I feel was very encouraging to pursue such a crazy endeavor was to do it with my friends. Like I made a group of friends that are still my friends from that course and we would go out to paint a lot. I mean, one thing led to the other and then it became my profession.
2: That's amazing. I think that's the thing that people don't realize about us as muralists—like we scope walls, like, like that's something we collect. Like we have a list of walls we want to paint or walls that we've seen, and and it's just something we kind of collect in our own memory. But totally, I think that we all can totally relate to that. So for you guys, did you start off with like, did you have an early job in the arts, or did you just start freelancing right away? What was kind of your early trajectory like?
4: And that oh, could go to any of you. <laughs> So I actually did start early on in my career assisting assisting a muralist, pretty famous muralist Prairie Prince. He is also a famous musician and he painted, back in the day, all music backdrops were hand painted and not printed. And so I was exposed to being able to be a part of that production. And so that was, I was early, early 20s, got to do that and learn how to airbrush and sort of really understand the scope of going big and different tools and stuff like that. So I was really fortunate
1: to have that job. So my first job, I've always worked as an English teacher here in Argentina. I would teach English. I'm not necessarily a professor, but I speak English and so people ask me to teach them. And so that was my job for like 10 years. And so after class I would like paint and then I think that what, what actually happened that actually made me like decide to become a, few, a full-time was that I was painting with some friends like a collective and we got seen by some people in Colombia and they invited us to paint to Colombia and that was like the beginning because from there, they invited me later to go to Mexico, and then to Europe, and then the US, and then like it just became a thing where i was able to connect through traveling, and so I decided that. I would organize myself to to make this into a living.
4: Well, are you opening? This? <laughs>
2: What about you, Glow? When did you start off? Were you freelancing or were you did you have a job in the field? Arts based job? So I'm a graphic designer. I did university
3: as a graphic designer and I had like freelancing jobs, like logos. I was doing logos or some branding and some labels. And I wasn't sure. Like I wanted to go full full time, but I, I was also a mom. (laughs) <laughs> that got in the way, and then once the kids were a little bit older enough for me to start doing my own, then I started with festivals, art festivals like art walks and such thing. And then I got, I think, the confidence in the public and the viewers that I can do it. So I was doing some like that, and I, I was everywhere. And then I just went, okay, art murals they go hand in hand. I do some graphic design but I don't I don't love it cuz it's too digital. I think I'm more of a hands-on person. So that's how kind of like it it went along.
2: Awesome. Awesome. I am just wondering when you guys were kind of getting started off. I feel like now there's more women in the field, but you know, I feel like when we were starting off, I didn't know that many women that were painting walls or even kind of in the field, how was that for you? Did you feel like, were you bullied at all? Or were you kind of like pushed to the side? Did they give you the corner spots to paint? Like, what was it like being one of the few women in your industry?
3: I never got bullied. I've talked to a lot of women that have. And I I feel I was very, like, grateful for that because on the contrary, I think I got empowered by, by the guys out there, you know, since I was already a really good fine artist. I mean I don't wanna brag, but I mean I can paint. <laughs> so I just had to paint bigger. And I wasn't bullied. So <laughs> I'm like, oh thank yeah, sure, let's say I'm down. So a lot of collaborations with friends now, with big guys out there and now with beautiful women that can paint as cool as we all can. So I've never felt bullied. I actually felt bullied with girls. Mm. More girls graffiti, <laughs> or crew, <laughs> than we had. More bullies there than with the guys, right? would actually protect me. They're like, no, don't come come over, paint here. But that's my story. It might be kind of unique.
2: Yeah, that's great. That's great. What about you, Amanda? Did you, ha- I mean, you were in, you know, male-dominated graffiti crews. What mm-hmm. was that like?
4: So I wasn't technically in the crew, but I definitely, I don't know that I felt bullied, but I definitely was pushed to the corner. And not just even just by the own crews that I painted with and plenty of events and organizing. And it was a primarily male-dominated field, especially when we all started out painting with women that I was pushed to go be center and be big. It wasn't until I met, met and started painting with women that I was asked to be a central figure. I was usually sort of a small addition to graffiti. So... I don't think I was bullied. I was definitely pushed by men to paint, but I was elevated by women.
1: <laughs> so I can recall a situation where I was bullied, where I had to prove myself that, I mean, I had to prove that I could do what I was doing. I've never been like much into the graffiti scene, but rather like the muralist, uh, like the like with with brush, you know, and like, and not, not like taggers or things like that. But I remember once when I did my very first big, big mural, uh, that there was in the production team of that event, which I'm not going to say what event it is, because <laughs> I don't want to gossip. But, but So they had a bet the team was divided, and it was like Team Mariela and Team against Mariela. So they had a bet whether or not I was going to be able to finish the mural. And it was a mural that I needed a lift to do it. It was the first time I was using a lift for like a... And now I think about it, it's not as big, you know? Like It was like maybe four stories tall, you know? But at that time, it was like way big for me. and And I remember like feeling around like there was a tension and like people not being super nice to me and like the feeling like every time I needed something it would be like not very welcomed and then once I finished that mural I felt very good about myself because I didn't know I could do it but I did it and then they confessed like the team that was supporting me they won the bet they won the money of the (laughs) bet and they were like Everybody thought you wouldn't finish, and you did. And now we're very happy because we won the bets. And they were, like, driving me to the airport because I was going to the next city. And I was, like, on a tour. And I was like, fuck, like, you should give me that money, you know? Wasn't it me that, like, yeah. <laughs> made you win the bet. They should take you out. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, they should have at least taken you out. I agree with that. I agree. Like, buy me the beer or something, you know? <laughs>
1: but so that's a a funny anecdote to tell you that then i've had situations not long ago with like big producers of big projects that would like call me to make sure that i wouldn't be scared to get on a swing lift Mm. so i would like literally like have to answer the phone call of this producer like almost three every every other day like are you sure Mariela you won't be scared to get on the left and like this is my job like this is what I've been doing and like maybe you're the one who's scared of heights and that's fine like do you want to talk about that you know we can talk about it I have experience <laughs> with heights I don't worry I told you and ellos, I mean the fact is that I understand that here in Argentina, and maybe not necessarily everywhere, is the same way. But there is like an like a silenced machismo, or like people say they're they're very progressive in a sense. But I am like when I have to have a negotiation with some men, I know that I have a disadvantage to begin with, just because I am a woman. starting the negotiation, mm-hmm. you know, And so mm-hmm. I have to do pr- it twice. That I can do what I say, that I can like pay for the service that I am requesting, that I can drive the lift that I want to rent. You know, I have to prove all these things so much more than if I were a guy. Just because they think I can't get into a fight with them, I would totally kick their asses.
2: (laughs) I love it. I always feel like people feel scared when they see me coming down the road on the lift. They're like, this little girl, there's no way she can drive this thing. Or when they see me getting onto it, they're like, oh, no, this is going to be a disaster. You know, and then when they see you doing it, they're like, oh, all right. You know, like, really? yeah, then they all of a sudden, like, they <laughs> feel kind of empowered for oh, you. Oh, they're
3: surprised. Yeah, they're like, holy shit. manejar? drive.
1: are <laughs> like,
3: how are you going to drive that thing? And I'm like, I'm going to drive it. Do you want me to drive it for him? like, no. Why would I have asked for a lift if I don't know how to drive it? Like, yo, get yeah. out of the way. Don't, don't so cross exactly, my way. With it.
1: That happened to me not long ago. I rented a lift and the guy who rented the lift to me, he started like recording me on his phone while I was driving it, just to make sure that if I fucked it up, he had like proof that I had fucked it up. Because, and that was like super offensive. I was like, luckily, I was able to do the OSHA, if, you know, the OSHA thing that they give you this. It's like a, a driving. Oh, yeah, driving card. 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 Yeah, yeah. I didn't
0: really
1: have that, and and so I was like. Mm-hmm. Hey, me like are you actually recording me I have an OSHA license to do this do you have that like you're renting this lift and do you even know what OSHA means like in Argentina people have no idea what that means and Mm -hmm. that was super offensive I was like I don't want to be the one that it's always reading that everyone is a chauvinist so I'm like trying to like calm down and like Mm -hmm understand that not everybody is driven by patriarchy but they make it very difficult
2: (laughs) yeah sometimes it's hard to tell because yeah i think the last time i rented a lift the guy explained to me so like very slowly how to use the lift. Like you put the key in here and then you turn it. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I've driven a ton of these. And he's like, okay, great. So then you pull the button (laughs) to make it go. You know, like he was just so concerned. And it was it was a generational thing, but I definitely felt that too. But Mariela, because you bring up the swing stage, I'm so curious. How do you feel getting on one of those? I've never been on a swing stage. Like, what is it like to step over the top of the building? Do you feel like it's more safe or in comparison to like a boom or articulating boom? How is that for you? See, imagine like it's like a balcony. You
1: see, like you're stepping on a balcony.
2: Okay.
1: So the one that I used... I would step on it from the bottom and we would go up. So in the beginning, the going up can make you feel like, oh fuck, this is getting very high. But once you're like really high up, then it's just like a balcony. And you can use. I mean, personally, (laughs) I know. I'm personally not afraid of heights. Like my body doesn't react. To heights, especially like when I was on that swing lift in Buenos Aires, I was able to see the river, which is something that is hard to see. This is a city with a like it's a coast city, you know, like we're on the coast, but the whole city is built against the water, so you can never see it. So that was like the good parts of the swing were like to get really high up and see the water. So I would see the water and like hey, Yeah,
2: that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, Amanda, there was a time I remember you told me and I don't know how much you can divulge even, but we kind of do dangerous work sometimes, you know, we kind of do stuff that we're working up high, we're working with heavy equipment and stuff. So have you had instances because I feel like what comes over online is like the final finesse. We all you know, everything looks great. You take great photos and whatever. The video looks great. Behind the scenes. Have you ever had stuff happen when you're on equipment?
3: No, there's always. Yeah. Always behind the scenes happens. Every wall, I think it's different. You come with different drama. I am afraid of heights. Like, I. I am I need to get like prepared like for a week or two like go look at the wall look what the lift and then I might even just go the first day and like la 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 you know like go up and then okay bye now and then I'll leave <laughs> and and I'll think about it and then I'm like and then I'm fine but I have to prepare psychologically for it and then I, I feel the more that you paint in higher places uh, less is the fear? Because I remember I started with like a ladder, and I was like, Ah, I'm gonna die! And now I'm like, Okay, lifts. And I've never done swings, and I, I just for listening to Mariela talking about it, I, I get nervous. I'm like, Oh my god! Like I'm getting vertigo. Like <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's totally always a, a challenge for me because they're like, Why do you paint murals if you're afraid of heights? am like, Well, I love it. I love that. So there's always a challenge and there's always drama either with a community, with clients, with mostly the community that don't get along with a client or the wall or that, you know, something's going on that you never know what's happening and you end up being a mediator
4: Mm -hmm.
3: on it all. You have to like just be very neutral and go with the flow. But there's always some kind of a drama. There's always something or I don't know. There's a lot of stories. Uh, The the paint fell. (laughs) 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 There's so many stories. But yeah, the height thing oh my God, it's like challenging for me, but I do it. You're part of it. Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. No, I have this thing when I get really scared, I start singing to myself because if I sing and I'm painting, I can't think about being scared. Mm-hmm. So that if, like one thing goes and then I can still focus. Because if I don't do that, then I notice I paint like kind of puckered. That's the best way I can explain. Tight. Yeah, you're tight. You're like, Uh and it just doesn't come out the same. And so I have to do something like that to like psych myself out. But I really like that analogy of it being like a balcony. I'm gonna, you know, I have a goal of getting on the swing stage, so I'm gonna think of that. (laughs) I'm gonna channel that, and then yeah, definitely try and do that. So thank you for that. Like you guys are established. You're painting big walls. You've been doing this for a long time. For young folks that are coming up in the industry. Are there like tips that you would have for them? If they're just trying to start off, what would you recommend them to do to be able to do that? I should
1: say that I understand that the rules of the streets, yo, I I sound like a rapper. The rules of the streets are different in every city or at least in, in different countries. And here in Buenos Aires, especially when I started, like the streets are so free. Like you can... When I started, I would just like literally knock on people's doors. Oh, yeah. And say, Can I paint your wall? Do you mind? And they would be like, yeah, sure. Then I started understanding that I had to be paid for my job, you know, so I stopped doing that, but I did that for a very long time. And so that was very good for me. So what I recommend always when people ask me is just paint, paint a lot. Yeah, Paint, go out, understand what it is to paint a mural. Like, it sounds very fancy and, like, super glamorous and such a cool job. But it's an actual, like, fucking pain in the ass. It's not an easy job. It's annoying. It's It's hard. It's hard. It's tiring. It takes a lot of production. Like, you have to, like, take the paint to the wall. You have to have ladders. You have to, like... Especially like if there's not a bathroom around, you have to even hold it for hours or try to be anywhere. Like, it's not that fancy. Like, people are like, wow, you're a girl. Is that so cool? It's not so cool, you know? (laughs) There's some things that are not so glamorous. But, joke aside, what I mean is that I recommend that you paint as much as you can, like, make yourself. Paint and like find that style, that not style, but what is it that you want to say that's why you're painting, or what happens to you when you paint? Go search for that drive that feeling that, I I don't know, you like how the paint moves. You are compelled by colors. You love to be able to, I don't know, copy a facial feature or represent a flower or whatever it is that drives you. But go for that quest, you know, find that. And then it will come. I feel that if you are committed to that, to producing to finding what, who you are in that task of, of painting, then the rest will come because it is aligned with something. I don't know what, the, what is the alignment, but it happens. But if you're just looking for getting jobs or getting recognized or making the Instagram account, then it might happen. But is it fulfilling? I don't know. If you do it because you cannot not do it, because it becomes like a necessity. I have to go do
2: this,
1: then it will come to you.
2: I feel that. Yeah. That's my advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Glow? Any advice for some of the folks that are just getting started out or want to come up in the field?
3: I agree with Mariela. With I started painting in, in Tijuana. You no, know, The easy walls, I would go and just knock on doors. I would just go knock on doors because it's easy and they're very welcoming the urban uh, and graffiti and urban art they like more you know the nice stuff because graffiti they think it's destructive but we went out and just knocked on doors and painted, it paint it paint it and then we're like all right now I think we're ready you also get an empowerment or a, a sense of like security of what you want to charge or like you value yourself even more because now you're like like you said oh my god this is not like oh let's go paint a pretty wall no it's like let's go paint and uh, maybe in Tijuana, you can't paint after hours or when it's getting dark because then it could get a little bit funky. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, your spray paint might disappear or like your stuff. So it's like, just you just have to know where you're painting too. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, you're not painting, I don't know, in London. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's that, you have to go paint because a lot of people are like, well, I want to be a muralist. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Paint, you know, they'll start painting walls. If you want to be a muralist, you can't just like, oh, I'm a muralist. Let me just charge you by square feet. No, I mean, well, what can you do? You have to make some kind of like a lineage, like a history, you know, or like portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. You just have to go out and paint. And if you don't, you can't paint because the city has so much permits. then just go paint your walls. Go paint your outside walls. Go paint your parents. I remember also painting my rooms, my closet. When I was a kid, I mean, I didn't know I was going to be a muralist, but I had that, what is it, the curiosity, I that, that desesperación, like I wanted to just ah, paint. So my carpet was all painted. Everything was painted. I painted my stereo, my closet doors, everything. So I was, either you go that or you're going to go hard drugs or something. I mean, it's
2: true. I feel like art is yeah. safe. It saved us. It's definitely saved me along the way in in different ways. But I think that totally totally speaks to me too because I used to get in trouble by my parents for drawing on the walls. And it's like, my dad got me this four by eight like a white erasable board so that I could draw really big and I used to stand on a chair and draw there. So it's like, it's just like in (laughs) our nature, like Mariela, you Mm -hmm. were saying too, it's like you kind of do it because you feel like you have to, because it's just who you are a Mm -hmm. little bit. I think once I was walking in the snow in New York, carrying a painting, I had to like go and about a mile and I walked to this painting in the snow and it was a total blizzard. And I realized like I must really love this. Like this, <laughs> yes. I'm dedicated because if I'm walking this damn painting for this mile to get on the subway to ride an hour to then go and walk more to then go and install it on a snowy night, like I must really love this stuff. You know? Totally. Amanda, I feel like there's this myth that like artists... You either have to be a full-time artist or it's like if you have another job then you're not being an active artist. But you have defied that and I think a lot of people do and people don't realize it. But you were working a full-time job and being a freelance artist. Can you tell me a little bit about the balancing the two with your work at Kaboo?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely respect both genres. I understand and now due to COVID and things have had the opportunity to become more of a full-time artist and it's a beautiful experience, but the passion that happens between having a career and having the art, it almost makes art for me personally, more sacred. It makes the time that I spend on it that much more special and that I'm always striving to get to that place, to have that opportunity to do it. I've been very fortunate that I've always geared my career and jobs to some sort of art form or assisting other artists in creating their art form, which brings me a lot of joy. And so my career still is an art career. But this particular year, I've become a full-time muralist, fine artist. And like I said, I feel like I've been maybe building my whole life towards it. And it does feel amazing. I definitely still want to create opportunities for people, and can't wait to do that. But I think a life work.
3: But Amanda doesn't sleep though. You sleep yeah, I only mean one hour. Right? Yeah, I don't think- sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah, you were a full time artist. Full time employee. You You were doing it all because you were still more active than most painters are. You were still knocking out walls, even through Kaboo, your artwork. I remember walking into the festival and seeing your artwork next to the stages, and it was massive and gorgeous. And I was so proud of you. And so it definitely went hand in hand with you as a freelancer. But I totally think you were doing full time, both of them, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah, but are there are ways that you feel like even by, by having a job like that, did you feel like it helped amplify your art in some ways? Definitely, I definitely feel it gave me a lot of opportunity, and I traveled a lot. And
4: honestly, it gave me the opportunity to connect with so many other artists that I was continually inspired. And I just love collaborating so much. It inspires me because the energy it makes me want to like create more and do more and see what this person thinks of that and. For me, it, it just it just keeps igniting the fire, and in Kabo, particularly, I was very fortunate that the owner really loved my art and wanted to promote it. Also, on the side note, we didn't always have a very big budget, so I was a free artist. <laughs> you know that, That's also why there was a lot of my art all over the place.: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
2: Well, it looked amazing. Yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> from, from all the structures that you build and like, you know, things that you could like interact with and walk underneath and next to the stage, it really just blew my mind. So I was just so proud of you. And I think it's so many ways. It was just so great to see you shining in both worlds because there are a few people that can like curate and or produce things and as well be artists. And I've never seen somebody who can have a smile on their face when you know they're stressed, <laughs> but like you can't tell. And you're like so freaking good at that. I mean, I really think it's it, it's like such an amazing gift that you have. But uh, glow, I want to ask you. Okay, so you've worked with galleries before, and are there things that you feel like are good about working with the gallery, and then things that you think are kind of like a drawback in working with the gallery? Don't make me say bad things. <laughs> okay, well, you know, okay, you just tell me the good things. You don't know, and don't you don't need to name names.
3: <laughs> um. Let's see. I can You can generalize, generalize, generalize.
2: What do you like about working um, with a gallery? I say
3: I would never get exclusive with a gallery. Never get exclusive. Do short-term contracts. Do galleries that are not that are not local, or at, at least they have their own clients' book. Because sometimes they just want your clients' book. Since I'm local, I think I have lots of clients here, and I like a gallery maybe out of San Diego. That can help me instead of the other way, so yeah. I think you have to just be very aware of what kind of gallery it is and, and have a relationship with the owner that's also very important. I think the, the owner also has to do a lot they have to really like your art and, and embrace it and put you up there because sometimes it just it can go the other way like they want to take from you instead of being a 50 50 and sometimes the commissions are just crazy off you're like come on so I feel right now even with COVID you can't even go into a gallery it's like you have to be on your own and move your own and do your own social media and your own in your own proactive way just find a way reach out more of a community right now than a gallery setting that's what I feel right now
2: yeah Absolutely, and Mariela, you've also kind of organized in the arts world too. Will you tell us a little bit about your project Amura? Sure. Like, how did that come about? You had this video that went viral. Tell us about those moments.
1: So that was a few years ago. Yeah. So we, you know, how March is the month of women, how they celebrate the Day of Women, and so. A few marches ago, a few march ago, <laughs> I was invited to paint in this event. This is a very small event here in Buenos Aires. And they invited me and some other girls. And so they were like asking us to paint on a very, very low budget. And, and I felt it was very ironic considering that we had to celebrate the Women's Day, but under very precarious working conditions. And so I felt... That I had had enough of that. I have seen myself in that table many times already. Maybe I was more experienced than the other girls at the table. I didn't want to blow the opportunity for the other girls that might want to take it. So I very politely declined and left the room. And then I felt that something had to be done. And so I contacted these girls and then I contacted other girls who are muralists here in Buenos Aires. And I was like telling them that also, then I talked to some guys who had participated in the previous edition of that same event. And we realized that they were paying them double, twice as much as they were supposed to pay us. So they were going to pay us half. And that was, like, too much. (laughs) If you can't, like, it was, like, really, like, if the producers can't see the irony of this, somebody has to call this because it's too much. And so I decided to invite these girls to my house. The one, this one that you see here. And so, Mm -hmm. so I was, like, telling them, has this happened to you before? Or, like, maybe there are events here in the city where they're all guys and there's only one girl. And if this girl gets the job, then that means that you don't get the job and all the other girls don't get the job, but the eight same guys always get the same, same jobs. And it, is it because of merit of their quality of their work and their experience and their resumes? Because we had been working a lot and traveling and like proving that we had the, the experience. And then also noticing how they're always paying us less especially the whole marketing of the women's Month and the women's day. So that was the first meeting. And to that meeting came quite a lot of girls. Then I invited them again the next week, and then half of the girls didn't come. And then I made a third meeting, and we're just four. And I was like, you know how groups, would, we were saying like groups, they cantan solos, like they, I have to look up that word. So I was <laughs> very disappointed I'm looking up that word because I, I think it's important for the. Uh, it, wait, it, I don't know why it's translating it in decant. Okay, decant? No, your face is. is it's like, are you talking about wine here? Like, <laughs> you know when the
2: wine, decanter, like they filter down? Wine? wine? I but my God, my let's know.
1: Go, the group process, the group as a process, uh-huh. and it decants. So, uh-huh. so from fifteen girls, maybe in the first meeting, then there were four, right? And I was like, okay, this is not no, no, okay. <laughs> okay. I am the only one who finds that this is wrong, and then uh, that was just really good because once that stayed, eventually were like the what we call now like the hardcore of the group, like the the duro the hard nucleus, you know, and. And then, like, it became a project, an idea. We started, like, understanding that we had to organize ourselves better. And so I said, well, from now on, these meetings have to be in someone else's house. That's it. This is, I understand that my house has reached its fullest potential. Now it has to to go somewhere else. Somebody else has to be calling the people in because, like, I have to move myself from that, and I did i continue going to the meetings, of course, and expressing my opinion and saying all I thought, but then, so it became once in someone ha, someone's house, then another girl's house, then it's we were so many we had to go into like a bar and then a small venue yeah, was a party and it started like developing like that, mm-hmm. and we started organizing like a organization like a like a union or something like that, so we had like. Uh, graphic design committee and like assembly committee and the committee that the commission that was like giving sending out the emails and the commission that was talking to the press and the commission that was designing the logo and the commission that was like a production company or something. But mostly, I think that I'm making the story very long. But what I want to say is like the main ideas were mostly like the to call on the disparity of the working conditions, where most men were the ones taking all all the public art positions and jobs in the city. Then we designed this video where we very clearly express all the statistics that said like 98% of public art commissions in the city of Buenos Aires were done by men. Wow! So 98, 2% of women, that is just like, it represents nothing. 2% is nothing of nothing. And so that also showed that there is a a breach in the salary because if there's 98% of the jobs are for men, then women of, with that job will never have the same amount or profit or benefit. Anyway, in spite of that, what well, we wanted to also show, what is this? This is a clear expression of the chauvinism, the patriarchy of our society that also feels that this is not a job for women. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, is it because there are not enough female muralists in this country, that's why there are 98% of men, then in the video when we ask this question, we show the work of a lot of women in Argentina, one after the other, after the other after the other. And there are like so many. And after this, a lot of new girls came up and decided to become muralists, or actually said, Yeah, I'm also a muralist. And it became like a, I don't know, it, it, contagious all around the country. And so It was very interesting as a process of organization, especially the first year, because the year finished with what we call the Pintada Federal, which was like girls organized themselves in different parts of the country, and they all went out to paint the same day, the same weekend. And so that weekend there were like a mural, women painting murals in the country at the same time. And that was very powerful. It really got like the attention of the press for a while. I think then it still has a lot of interest, but I feel it also came alongside, historically speaking, with like a strong like feminist wave coming in, especially in Argentina. I don't know if if you guys know, but this like today, actually today, the law for the legalization of the abortion has been admitted, proclaimed. Uh uh-huh. So, wow. Official. Wow. It has finally become a right that women have to be able to have an abortion and not go to jail for that. It has been decriminalized. It was a, a crime before like you would go to jail if somebody would like tell on you and it was very hard to be able to to get it on a hospital. So there were a lot of like clandestine abortions and that implied a lot of women dying because of that. So it has been a struggle for the past, well, many, many years, but especially the last three years, there has been like this this very strong feminist wave here in Argentina. And I feel Amura sort of like started along at the same time of this momentum. And I feel that sometimes when these things happen, we understand its implications later on, you know, after they have happened. And sometimes like feminisms represent a diversity that cannot be represented only under one idea or not everybody is the same kind of feminist it's hard to understand Uh, i will never have the experience of a black woman for example so like i would never want to take her to be able to express or speak for her in terms of feminism you know like explain what is feminism without understanding the nuances and like the differences in the experience of every different group that suffers from different levels of oppression. So saying that, Amura, I feel that it represented a space where a lot of women needed to express a lot of different ideas that weren't necessarily directed or linked to the working conditions which was like the the main objective in the beginning because we were actually like trying to design a law to change this to make it legal like to to actually make sure that all women were paid the same as men and and that public uh contest for for public art positions are public and so it's not like somebody says, You get the job, you, the guy that always gets the same job because you're my friend and you're friends with the guy in the government. And so we are trying to make this open and public and fair. And that was the objective. And it's hard when you start with like a very solid group of 20 and then you have to organize like 400, you know? Wow. So and you don't want to. Like become like a dictator who says this is what we're going to do and if you don't align with this and eventually personally I feel it's more powerful when things are horizontal and you have the patience to see the natural the organic development of the process and not like say, this was my first idea and you should be doing this. And if you're not doing what I feel is the right thing and the wrong thing, then you don't understand this movement. Because in the end, the idea was to be able to give voice to women that were not being heard. So I think in that sense, it served this purpose. Now, I don't know, it's not up to me, the future of it. But I... am You're retired. Sorry? Oh, close of the <laughs> But
2: I think what's so beautiful about that video is, you know, a lot, a lot of male curators, they'll say like, oh, there aren't that many women in this show, because there just aren't that many women in the field. And I'm like, no, you just need to meet them. You need to try harder to meet them. Or maybe there needs to be a woman curator who can, who already has that network developed because she's been fostering those relationships for years. So if there's a lack of females that are in the exhibition, then maybe you need to have women that are also helping to curate those spaces so we can have more opportunities. Good point, yeah. But it does make me think as well, because I feel like women, we do think more collaboratively. And just speaking of collaboration, Amanda, you have a beautiful collaboration. I mean, you are a standalone artist and badass, but you also have this beautiful collaboration. And so we have to give a shout outs to Mags. Tell me a little bit about how that has developed for you.
4: Shout out to Lady Mags. Yeah. So I met Lady Mags right around the same time that I met Yoshi and Glow. We were all painting together uh, I actually met Magda, her name's Magda, just slightly before everyone else. And we shared a car ride back from Los Angeles together in the backseat of the car and sort of got to know each other on a five and a half, six hour drive and at the end decided to paint together. And so that was now, I think, over a decade ago. And we painted our first wall together. And it was my first time really just painting with a woman outside of my sister. And it was the most amazing experience. We talked, we laughed, we painted, we brought snacks, and really elevated each other. And so from there, we started painting more walls, started collaborating with other artists, and then that melded into us starting to do some fine art together. Flash forward 10 years later, we've now created a children's book, we've done a lot of exhibitions, and Also, she's become one of my very closest best friends and collaborated on a lot of life things together, too. So I'm very grateful for that connection.
2: Yeah, shout out to Lady Mag. She's amazing. She's brilliant, and she's a badass painter, and we totally love her. So I love your collaboration. You guys always do amazing stuff. I always love stopping by your walls while you're both painting because it's just so fun to see you guys. You could see the real joy that you guys have painting together, so it's really special. Hey, Glow, you know, I wanted to ask you because I'm a new mom and I've learned so much from you being a mom. Like, how has being a mom impacted your work or how has it kind of, I mean, it's everything in your world. How has it really impacted you as an artist? It's like, I
3: feel that you put me on the spot every time you say, hey, Glow. (laughs) (laughs) But let's see. I want to say that being a mom makes you, yeah, like a different artist. I'm not, I don't put my, my daughter's out there, but a lot of people or clients say that, that they are there, like in the girls that I paint, or that they look like me. or Because I started painting, I think at the beginning in 1990-something, I started painting. My girls have evolved. I think they started looking very young, like a, a little girl, and then like a little animal. And then they started morphing around with nature and growing up and and looking older I don't so I don't know if it's like me or my daughters but I do feel that it makes you more mature or like more easygoing in your choices like you don't care a lot of like stuff that you don't need to be too dramatic about being a mom I think it made me prioritize a lot what is important and what is not so I try and avoid a lot of like drama that goes in with either other muralists or other clients or even like friends because I know what being a mom you put it you prioritize it no it's like oh my kids they're more important than that drama or so I feel it has making up a better human being out of me being a mother more mature I want to say yeah so and then Mm -hmm. you might be like I don't know painting more pinks and oranges Mm -hmm. and cute (laughs) fluorescents. I don't know, more more cute little I colors, know. which I've seen in you, Yoshi. <laughs> you started painting pinks in your walls and like but you never did. I'm like what
2: what with that pink and that orange, girl? I know. I, I was like anti pink, and then all of a sudden, I have like a baby, a girl with pink clothes, and I'm like, that's kind of cute. And then it's like sneaking into my art. It definitely happens, but yeah, like I, mm-hmm. I remember like one of the first times we hung out at Art Basel, or maybe this is like our second year at Art Basel. we were rooming together, and like you just have a maternal sense. And I had pneumonia, and Glow totally like pounded my back. We would go paint during the day and then she'd like pound my back at night so I could like get phlegm up and it was like Aww. it was the most amazing like caring like we you know we weren't going out and partying because I was like recovering from this cold but I was determined to go there and paint and you totally like took care of me and I was like I love this woman forever I'm totally indebted <laughs> I completely
3: forgot about that I was like I'm gonna put some big bubble rub in your chest and then we're off and like, we'll yeah, just like, go drink from the like, and you forget about it, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: totally, totally. <laughs> we're good,
2: man. You nice, it, was, it was so sweet because I wasn't going to go, but I was like, I'm rooming with Glow. I'll be okay. And she was like, come on, you, we could do this. We could do this. So, yeah, it, it was really, really fun. But um, <laughs> I totally respect your guys' time. I know you're super busy. Can you just, like, close us out by telling us, what you guys are working on right now and how do people find you? So maybe, Mariela, if you want to go first, what are you working on right now and then how do people find you if they want to follow your work? Okay, so
1: right now, after I recover, I am sketching on a, my next project that I don't want to shinx it, but we'll see each other soon. That's all I can say. (laughs) And also I rented a big studio with six other artists here in Buenos Aires. So and it's like a small a three stories tall little factory. So you guys, if you want to go to Argentina, you can totally come and do residences (laughs) in our new studio. And it's gonna be like super cool. We just we're finishing the whole like remodeling and fixing the because the thing was a wreck and now we're fixing it. But it's super cool, and everyone is invited. I would love it if you feel like coming to Argentina. Yeah, cool. Thank you.
2: We will definitely take you up on that. We might be knocking on your door. So
1: that's
2: And, and yeah, how do people find you? And you can find
1: me on Instagram. So my name is hard to pronounce for English speakers. So I'm going to say it and then I'll spell it. So it's Marie, which is like the short for Mariela, like Marie underscore Ajras. So that would be M-A-R-I-E underscore A-J-R-A-S. So that's me. Thank you. Thank you so
4: much.
2: Okay, Amanda, what are you working on right now and how do people find you? I
4: am working on building out my new studio as well. I just <laughs> bought my first home in the forest and my plans to work on here are a new series and I've got a, several murals in the works and I'm working on coming to see all of you, hopefully Argentina eventually, but definitely Southern California quite soon. Mm-hmm. And the way you can find me is Instagram. It's a paint, a L Y N N paint, P A I N T. And, uh, That's my website too,
3: raylandpaint.com.
2: Great. And what about you, Glow? What are you working on and how do people find you?
3: I am working on cleaning my studio. (laughs) It's been a mess (laughs) since COVID. I think I haven't touched it. And working on some murals up in LA. Well, one mural, not some. And some commission pieces that, and I'm also working on a coloring book, that it'll come soon. Hopefully, through all those drawings that I did through COVID, I'm just going to put it in a book and see what happens. And you can find me on Instagram or my website is GloriaMuriel.com or at GloriaMuriel Instagram.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much. And yeah, I just want to also add in that Gloria and Amanda and I are doing a collaboration with a company named Smash and Tess, where we'll have some exciting things to announce coming out in March. So we're really excited about it, but we're going to do a little clothing and art collaboration. So please look out for it. And thank you ladies so much for your time. I really I love all of you. I really appreciate you coming and letting me pick your brain and being a part of this series. So thank you and have a wonderful night.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having
4: us. Great to see your faces.
0: Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld. If you're an artist, be sure to apply for our 2021 Artist Grant at NotRealArt.com. Sourdough. Out.